Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So the Inequality Act has passed the House. Um, you mean the Inequality Act? What are you talking about? You mean the Equality Act? No, no, no. I, you could call it the Equality Act, but it's actually the Inequality Act. How long before it's going to be illegal for you to go to church? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Now that the House has passed the Inequality Act, which will make it basically illegal um, to practice your own religion in some respects, and will make it legal to discriminate against people of faith. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering how long you'll find yourself in bracelets. And I don't mean like uh, fancy bracelets. I mean like handcuff bracelets for going to church. Is that next? Oh, that'll never happen here, Dan. I got that story. Also, enough talk about fixing elections. I saw a great article in the Daily Signal about what we need to do to actually fix elections, like things we can do on the ground right now to reestablish our faith in our constitutional republic. Meat and potatoes stuff. Really good piece. and. We will end today with, uh, I'd like to do a hero of the day on Friday, but today, sadly, is the villain of the day. You're not going to want to miss the villain of the day. I promise you. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Your data, it's your business. Get a VPN today. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Um, Let's get right to it. As you know, ExpressVPN, you hear them at the beginning of every show. I always say, protect your online activity. Get a VPN. Been talking about them for months. Have you gotten one? Why not? Maybe you thought, hey, this is America, and we have free speech and privacy laws. And you might have hesitated. Maybe you believe Congress wouldn't allow big tech to censor and spy on you. Ha! Big mistake. And so you didn't act. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this. With the Democrats in charge of government and your liberty under attack, there's never been a more important time to protect your digital rights and your privacy. That's why I and many of my listeners Choose to secure our online data by using a VPN from ExpressVPN. Did you believe that a VPN isn't for you because you can use the internet just fine with that one? Not true. With the recent actions taken by big tech to control our digital lives, everyone needs a VPN. Are you confused about how it works? It's super simple. ExpressVPN is an app for computers and smartphones. It encrypts your network data and reroutes it to a secure server. It means you can use the internet more anonymously without having your activity tracked. You think VPNs are complex and only for tech experts? Take it from me. They're not. With ExpressVPN, you launch the app, tap just one button on your phone. You're protected. It's that simple. I trust ExpressVPN to protect my online data because they're rated number one. They stand for my values. Now it's time for you to take a stand. Take back your privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash Bongino right now. All right, producer Joe, let's go. Yes. Hey, that, 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 I did not, not going to allow this to happen to me. Soon Again, hmm. in your worst 1960s game show voice, Joe, oh, our well. everyday Friday thing, or every Friday thing that's a day that's named Friday. Please start off the show the right way. It's Friday. Yeah. 
We can't start a Friday show without that. Taping a little early today because we're headed down to CPAC later, the Conservative Political Action Conference, to uh, set the world on fire with a speech down there, hopefully. What am I going to talk about? I don't know. We'll figure it out in the car on the way up there. There's always something in my head. Let's start out with this. Um, I I don't want to, being that we're going to kind of end the show with, what's up? Yeah. Paul is like staring at me. He's giving me a little death stare. I'm wondering what's going on. I screw up like the end of yesterday's show. If that was a, if you missed the end of yesterday's show, watch that again. I was almost canceled myself in the Bongino house yesterday. But we're going to end the show with the villain of the day today. So I just wanted to start off today. We kind of, a, are these are these videos even real anymore? We played that video yesterday of that um, person singing her white privilege song. Um, there's another one that's made the rounds on social media. I'm not, are these even real? Are they, is this a big joke on America? There's only two options here. Here's another one. This is a different person, a different white person, um, clamoring and singing on about how racist they are, which is, if you want to claim to, you want that to be your claim to fame, you go right ahead. I'm out of that one. Um, that's your bag of donuts, right? Um, but there's only two options. You had to write this down, okay, so I don't forget. Option one, these videos are real. And the world is, in fact, ending. So it's all over. So don't worry. It's over. the apocalypse. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are coming and it's all over. That's option one, Joe, that these videos are real and it's all coming to an end. Because if they are real, the world is clearly ending. We have reached peak stupid, volcanic levels of stupid, and there's no turning back. This is it. The apocalypse is on us. It's over. Or option two. These people realize, like, this sounds really dumb. They realize this stuff is for clowns, and it's all a joke on us. There's no option three. So check this out. Here's another video of um, a white school teacher woman singing about, I guess, how racist people are or whatever. Check this out. If you don't believe that there is white privilege, please don't teach. If you don't believe that black lives matter, please don't teach. If you don't believe in systemic racism and how it negatively impacts our students of color and don't want to help dismantle those systems, please don't teach. Yes, please um, um don't <laughs> don't don't teach. Um, no, I mean you, the person singing that song. We're begging, please, please don't. This, that's got to be a joke. That can't be real. This can't be real. If this is real, seriously, the survival food no, is not going to help you. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, <laughs> Joe, they're on their horses right now, and they are riding at come. double time and <laughs> headed right for us because there's no saving us at that point. All right. Woo. I kind of teased this in the beginning of the show. Folks, I want to get to a very important story. Um, the ridiculously named Equality Act has passed the House of Representatives. It will be forever referred to on this show as the Inequality Act because what the Inequality Act does is it legalizes discrimination against Christians, people of faith, you know, all the evil Christians out there, you know, all of us. I love Jesus Christ. Always, I mean that. He is my Lord and Savior. Your religion, your thing, that's mine, whatever. But how long before it is illegal to be be a Christian? That's never going to happen. This is America. Really? Because we're going down that dangerous path really, really quick. We all thought it was A-OK to be a conservative up to a, two, a few years ago, too. So we all got canceled from uh, Twitter and Facebook at the same time, right? We never thought that would happen either. Here's a great article in The Federalist you have to read. This is important stuff, folks. There's policy happening right now. There's still a chance to stop this disaster in the United States Senate. The Federalist by Christopher Bedford. Blessings of Liberty. How the Equality Act viciously attacks Christians, freedom, society, sex, and you. So what is the Equality Act? We know from this point forward is the Inequality Act in this show. What is it actually? Let's go to this screenshot from the Federalist. This is happening right now. 
This is happening right now, right under your nose, while we're all distracted by people like Liz Cheney, who's worried about Trump's tweets or whatever. The Federalist. The act, which the House is expected to pass, it did pass, by the way. This was written before it. Uh, it's for the second time in nine months, by the way, it's passed. Uh, before sending it out to the now Democratic Senate, opens up swinging on Christians, as well as most religions, concepts of morality and marriage, sex and identity. It would strike biological sex from the 1964 Civil Rights Act, replacing it with, quote, sexual orientation and gender identity. Well, Paula, wasn't that racist sexual orientation? Joe, I'm not, I don't want to get off track here, but didn't remember uh, the yeah. dictionary.com? Didn't we discuss that a few weeks ago? Who yes, was it? Did. Was it Maisie Hirono who said that was like racist or homophobic yes. or istophobic? It was, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. They got it in the act. A belief in traditional marriage, the act would legislate, is a specific example of illegal discrimination. <laughs> it's all, um, all happening right, right now while we're all distracted by Liz Cheney, who's worried about Trump's tweets and stuff. <laughs> So what would be the effect of changing the 1964 Civil Rights Act to gender identity, where you basically just say, hey, I'm a man, you know, I feel I feel like a woman or I feel like a man when I'm a woman or a woman who feels like man. What would be the effect of that? What would be the effect of changing the Civil Rights Act to legislate all this stuff instead of letting private citizens make their own informed adult opinions about how they feel about gender identity? Oh, we can't have that. The left loves talk to talk about choice. As long as it's their choice, not yours. You will comply with the left, of course. So here's an interesting side effect of what may happen if this happens to pass the Senate. Outside of the fact that practicing your faith could be potentially illegal. Here's an interesting example from the Federalist piece. Quote, salons too will not be able to, quote, discriminate based on biology opening the door in the United States for the Canadian nightmare where Jessica Yaniv, a man who identifies as a woman while still being attracted to women, women, sued to force a female nail salon employee to wax his private parts. You don't have to be a woman to understand the level of sexual assault implicit in the adult man demanding a woman handle his private parts for money or risk the force of law. That's a real Story, by the way. No, yes, it is. Paula's like, no, it is. It's a real story. All coming here, all coming here to the United States. All happening under our noses. So, you know, I always have an ask in the show because this is a show directed towards action. I'm an action guy. I'm an action. I'm not, I talk, but if talk doesn't motivate action, then don't bother. I ran for office. I did it. I threw my name on the ballot. I, I've done all the stuff. I'm there. I need your help. Get on the phone with your senators today. Real simple phone call, real simple email. You know who they are? Everybody's got two of them. If you live in one of the 50 states, therefore, for the purposes of this, you're the only people that matter. Get them on the, get them on the blower. Get them on the email and just say, hey, daddy-o, where do we stand on the Inequality Act? Because that doesn't sound so good to me. You know, I, I go to church and I have traditional values and that's great. Whatever values you may have, it's a free country. I respect that. But I don't need the law, the law, the long arm of the law telling me how I should feel about things. We have this whole thing called freedom, liberty, choice, you know, all old antiquated ideas. But I don't really feel like being told in a salon who I need to put my hands on and who not to. Doesn't sound right. Well, Chip Roy, who's 
That's some pretty good moments. He's a congressman from Texas. Chip Roy was talking on the House steps about this, and him and the Freedom Caucus are some of the few principled Republicans left there. Chip Roy kind of, I mean, this is in a good way, not a bad way, kind of lost it a little bit on the House steps about the Inequality Act and was like, nah, I'm not really digging that. Like, I work really hard to send my kids to a private Catholic school to, uh, you know, imbue upon them Christian Catholic values. I don't really need the government telling me how I can and can't practice my religion. We have that whole obstacle, Joe, shocker, called the First Amendment. Yeah. I know liberals haven't read it or anything like that. And this will probably get thrown out in court, even if it passes. But who knows? The courts are so bad these days, you don't know. Here's Chip Roy laying the smackdown. We need more of this. This is a government using its power to tell us to bow down to the will of a cultural elite in this town who want to tell us what we're supposed to believe. We're not going to do that. Let me be clear. We are not going to do that. My wife and I work very hard, products of the public school system, K through law school, both of us, to scrape and save to pay our kids to go to a private Christian school. Why? Because we're being pushed into the corner so that we can carry out our beliefs without penalty, ostracization that this body now wants to do. The Speaker Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the Democrat leaders want to do. We're not going to be painted in the corner because this is about tyranny over the mind of men. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's exactly what it's about. Tyranny over the minds of men. Pretty famous quote. He's right. Listen, for the liberals on a serious note who listen to my show, I know you don't do it to Liberty deliberately it's probably your college roommate who's a conservative has it on awfully loud just to annoy you but you may be listening right now i hope you're annoyed um just as for you this is directed at you you don't have the right in a free society to not be offended do you know that do you understand that listen to what i just told you take the cotton out of your ears for a moment and jam it in your mouth and listen to what i'm telling you you do not have the right to not be offended do you understand that that applies to me as well. There are lifestyles and things you do as liberals in your life that deeply offend me. Deeply. But I don't have the right to legislate against you so you can't offend me. I have constitutional rights you cannot infringe upon. There are court systems and laws to prevent that. Contract law. Illegal activity. You can't just come and beat me up because you don't like what I'm doing. All strong components of a free society with institutions and structures to preserve freedom. But in a free society, you don't have the right to not have your feelings hurt. Do you understand that? You've chosen a separate lifestyle, separate from people of faith you don't like, and you don't like people of faith in their lifestyle. Fine. You do you. We do we. No problem. The only problem here is when you, you start coming for we, we and start demanding we not offend you under penalty of law. Maybe you offend us. Does that ever occurred to you? Maybe you offend us and we, you don't know you don't offend us because we don't care because you do you and we actually believe in civil liberties and civil rights and your ability to do you. 
And therefore, we don't try to infringe upon the you doing you sphere of you doing you-ness. But you keep creeping over into our sphere. You don't like our churches? Stay out. We don't care. I don't care. You don't like the church I go to? Don't go. Nobody misses you. Do you understand? No one misses you. There is no one in a homily clamoring for you liberal snowflakes to show up in mass. Don't go. That's you. That is your choice. I don't go to your liberal snowflake convention conventions either. What is it? Polita roots or whatever it is. Net roots nation. Why do I not go? Because I don't care. And they're liberals and they're, I don't want to get assaulted and beaten to death. That's why the safest place on earth for a liberal is CPAC. The most dangerous place on earth for a conservative is the net roots place or whatever. <laughs> you will probably be verbally assaulted by multiple people when you walk in. Just do you. You don't have the right to not be offended. Who told you that? Now, to the liberal kid in the dorm room listening, because the college conservative kid, and thank you, college conservative, for playing this extra loud. Your liberal friend's really annoyed right now because that's the first time he's ever heard that. Or she. What do you mean? I have the right not to be triggered. You do? Who, 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 who told you that? Who told, I don't know. Who told you that? Your snowflake mom and dad? Yeah, news for you. They're idiots, too. They don't have... Tell them to read the Constitution. There's not... First Amendment 1, sub 1, 2, 3, subsection B6, 2.5 that says, and by the way, you have the right to not be offended. That doesn't exist. All right, let me get to my second sponsor today. And I want to move on. Enough talk. How do we really fix elections? I got that interesting little FBI note. I called it in my book. And can we call this the economics for liberals section today? This is good. And then don't forget the villain of the day at the end. Today's show brought to you by our friends at the Daily Wire. The Hollywood elite refused to produce this film because it didn't fit their political agenda. The Daily Wire, they don't do censorship. They don't do that. So now you can stream a terrific movie. I've seen it. Run, Hide, Fight. It's getting tremendous reviews. Stream it where? At at dailywire.com. Dailywire.com. That's dailywire.com. Get that right. Run, Hide, Fight follows the story of Zoe Hull, a high school senior whose school comes under siege by four gun-toting students. Take a look. Get down on the ground! Any more friends back there? Is it safe to say that this might be our guardian angel? You have no idea who you're dealing with. Isn't it ironic that after all your hard work, people aren't going to remember you? No. They're going to remember me. All right. Now you want to see it, right? Well, how do you do that? Daily Wire subscribers, you can stream Run, Hide, Fight today at dailywire.com for free. You're not a member of the Daily Wire? Use promo code DAN, D-A-N, my first name, and save 25%. That's dailywire.com. Run, Hide, Fight is rated TVMA, viewer discretion advised. Great movie. Go check it out. All right, getting back to the show. So enough chatter here. How do we really fix elections going forward? It's something a lot of you are concerned about. It consistently rates as one of the top issues for Republicans. And I've been trying to get, um, I've been doing a lot of homework and I've been trying to gather information and give you one article where it's all kind of nailed down, a template on 
how to fix elections so we can all have faith in them again. You know, a crazy idea out there, like faith and fidelity in our election process. Crazy, I'm being sarcastic, of course, because the left doesn't care about any of this stuff anymore. Here's a great piece in the Daily Signal. It'll be up at the show notes, by the way, with that Federalist article to access the show notes. The newsletter, it's the same thing. Very simple. Go to Bongino.com slash newsletter. Please subscribe. That way we can communicate directly to you, get you these terrific articles. Hans von Spakovsky is a brilliant man, a friend of mine. I go way back with Hans. Super smart guy. I'm telling you there isn't a person on the planet who knows more about elections and election fraud than Hans von Spakovsky. And he's got a really cool name. That He's really super smart, but that name makes him sound super, super smart. He is. He's a genius. Here's his article at the Daily Signal. Worth your time. Nine election reforms states can implement to prevent mistakes and voter fraud. I'm not going to get to every one of them, but I'm going to touch on a few gems in here that had fixed this broken election process stat today. If we just had people with the cojones to do it and to push for this. Here's number one. Simple stuff. Verify the accuracy of the voter registration list. What a crazy idea. Well, how? He says, quote, computerized statewide voter registration lists should be designed to be interoperable so that they can communicate seamlessly with other state record databases to allow frequent exchanges and comparisons of information. For example, here's a simple one. When an individual changes the residence address on his or her driver's license, that information should be sent to state election officials so that the voter registration address of the individual is also changed to his or her new DMV residence address. Why is this hard? I don't understand why that's hard. Why is that hard? Why can't we? We have a $4 trillion government. Trillion. $4 trillion government. It is the biggest business in the world. The business of government, even though it's not run like a business. It's the biggest business in the history of the world. And you can't figure out a way in the States to make sure that when someone changes their address, it gets changed in a voter reg database too. Why is that hard again? Can someone please explain? I don't want to dwell too much on any one of them, but here's another one. Again, Joe, not complicated. How yeah. about we do this crazy one? Verify the citizenship of voters. Oh, wow. Who would have thought of that? I mean, only lawful citizens can vote in federal elections. States should, quote, therefore, require proof of citizenship to register to vote. Is this? What about, I don't know. I really, what about this is hard? Is there something I'm missing? Maybe it's me just, just a small town. I'd actually live in a small town, but I like saying that. Is this a small town guy? Is Glendale a small town? Not really. Glendale's actually, Paula's like shaking her head. No, just a small town cat. Maybe I should uh, sing a country song about something like that. You know, everybody from a country song is from a small town. Doesn't really work for me. I'm not a good singer either, especially in country. But I'm just kind of confused as a fake small town guy. Like, why verifying the citizenship of voters um, is really a difficult, difficult task. So if we had interoperable databases, if we verified the citizenship of our voters, and then we did number three, we required voter ID. Huh, here's another one. Very complicated for the liberals listening. They'll throw out some ridiculously racist thing, guarantee. Your liberal friend listening in the dorm room right now is like, voter ID? My black friends won't be able to figure that out. And you as a conservative, you should probably be like, that's, that's kind of racist, dude. Um, That's actually pretty, 
Joe, Joe, pretty racist, no? Yeah. Just, just throwing that uh-huh. out there. Yeah. What did Joe? So on the racist scale of one to ten, what would you give that? Like a nine point seven two? Yeah, something like a ten between there somewhere. Yeah, around there. Yeah, yeah that's, maybe nine point eight. Who that's that stinks. Uh, voter ID, not not hard. I assure you, your friends who are black and Hispanic, I promise you, my wife's Hispanic. She figures it out, no problem. It's not hard. I know you believe um, because you're a racist white liberal that blacks and Hispanics can't figure things out because you're a racist white liberal. But I promise you, voter ID is not complicated. Go to your wallet, extract wallet from pocket, open said wallet, take out license device, show to person. This is not hard. I know your liberal dorm room guy is sitting there going, that's discriminatory. The first question to him, why is that discriminatory? Because black people can't figure it out. Dude, that sounds super racist. Should be the first line coming out of your mouth. Interoperable databases, verify citizenship, voter ID. Seems pretty straightforward to me, Joe. No? No? Yeah. Do that tomorrow maybe, right? Here's another couple gems and we'll uh, have to move on. If you want to read all of them, check out this great article in my show notes today again. Hans von Spakovsky. Not only a smart guy, but a smart sounding guy too. Here's another couple of gems. Limit absentee ballots. Absentee ballots should be reserved for those individuals who are too disabled to vote in person or who will be out of town on election day and all early voting days. Pretty straightforward, no? I mean, I showed you no less than four, five, six times how the New York Times in 2012 did a big expose on how mail-in ballots are twice as likely to be rejected for all kinds of reasons than people who show up on voting day and vote in person. So why would we incentivize using a system of mail-in ballots where even the New York Times themselves has repeatedly acknowledged are more prone to fraud, error, and being rejected? Why would we do that? Maybe because you benefit from rejections and frauds and confusion. I don't know. Why else would you not want to fix that? It's a problem. Let's fix it. Here's an important one, though. A very important one. We have got to stop this disaster known as ballot harvesting. Now, Hans von Spakovsky has a better name for it. He calls it vote trafficking. I like that. Prevent vote trafficking. Vote trafficking, also called vote harvesting or ballot harvesting by third parties, should be banned. Yes, amen, Brother Hans. That would ensure that candidates, campaign staffers, party activists, and political consultants are prohibited from picking up and potentially mishandling or changing absentee ballots and pressuring or coercing vulnerable voters in their homes. How ballot harvesting, in other words, a third party going out and collecting votes that's not an election official, how that's even a thing is stunning. How is that allowed? I uh, Listen, point of personal privilege. I hate the personal stories, but it's important. I spent a lot of my life in law enforcement. If you are going to prosecute someone in a trial and you're going to use evidence, say you're going to use this TV remote control. This is for this monitor we have over there. We always have on during the show in case you see crazy lights on my face. That's what that is, right? So this remote, whatever, was used to beat someone to death. Be hard, but who knows? Let's just play the game for a minute. This was used to beat someone to death this dreaded remote, maybe the pointy thing or whatever. If this was evidence and you show up as a law enforcement officer at the scene and you see the evidence, the dreaded bloody remote, right? Get an evidence bag. You you put gloves on so you don't taint the evidence or you pick it up with some kind of thing where you're not touching the whole thingy. You go put it in the bag and you sign the chain of custody and you get it right to the lab. 
Joe, do you think it's appropriate to give it to the guy outside at the hot dog stand who gives it to the guy in the bagel store who hands it to the UPS guy to mail it to the evidence lab? Would you do that? Nah, that's a big no, Dan. Okay, thank you. Now, Joe, you were not a police officer, yeah. correct? So you have no, no law enforcement training no, we know of. Just, just no. Okay, thank you. But Joe's a smart guy and figures really? out that that's probably not a good idea to introduce additional variables into the process. The variables bringing, uh, being bagel store guy, hot dog stand guy, and UPS guy. So why would we introduce another var- a variable into the most sacred process we have voting by allowing people who aren't voters and not voting officials and election officials to handle ballots? Why would we do that again? Maybe someone's interested in a middleman, a middleman who creates a variable. Why else would you defend it if you weren't interested in it? Makes you think, huh? Read that article, the whole article. It's really, really good, and it is worth your time. I promise you. Um, you know what? Let me get to my. Let me just get to my third sponsor first. We got a. We got a few sponsors today. We always appreciate their time. I want to get to that. On the other side of this, I want to get to this FBI note that's emerged. Just a quick Spygate update again, because more stuff's coming out. And no, I'm not letting it go, um, because that's what the left wants. Move on. Been talking about this forever. Nothing's going to happen. I don't care. The truth is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Today's show brought to you by GenuCell. Dry, irritated, red, blotchy skin all over your face. It won't go away. That's not good. Struggling with stress breakouts and uneven skin tone? You don't want that either. All gone thanks to Zotique Deep Correcting Serum by Chamonix. They were kind enough to send a bag of it to my mother-in-law. She loves it. Here's Catherine from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm a doctor working on the front lines of the COVID pandemic. The endless face mask wearing ruined my face. Used several other products without success until Chamonix. The promises are real. Very quickly, my face seems to be on the men. These products have started healing. The mask creases. Thank you. Zotique uses the power of liposomal technology to deliver the healing, rejuvenating powers of vitamin C to the deepest layers of the skin for results you can see. And it's yours free today with your order of GenuCell for bags and puffiness. Visit GenuCell.com. Enter my promo code. Get ready. Dan40. That's Dan40. Enter that at checkout for an extra special discount. That's GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. Order today. Get their classic GenuCell jawline treatment and luxurious GenuCell XV anti-wrinkle moisturizer free with your order. Every order is upgraded to free priority shipping. Don't wait. Order now. GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. GenuCell.com. Promo code Dan40. Don't miss out. Okay. Thanks, GenuCell. All right. Getting back to my... uh, Update on Spygate, because it's important. It'd be quick, but it's worth your time. You know, if if you bought my last book, Follow the Money, you read it or you borrowed it from a library, whatever it may be, um, we appreciate it. But in my last book, I had a chapter on the setup of Mike Flynn, um, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, one of the most disgusting episodes in American history, the abuse of law enforcement to frame and set up a decorated Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Now, here it is. It all comes out again. Talked about it in my book, called it. I've actually spoke to Svetlana Lakova about this. Here's a little FBI note that emerged the other day um, in this new declassification of documents. This is just really weird. So it talks about how the FBI spy, everybody in the left says, doesn't exist. Spygate, if it comes to theory, there was no spy. No, no. This guy was paid by the FBI to go and engage in spy behavior on the Trump campaign. But the setup of Mike Flynn and how it went down, ladies and gentlemen, is a spy tale for idiots and for the ages that you need to be aware of. Barack Obama hated Mike Flynn. We all cool on that? He hasn't heard this story yet, so maybe it's new to him. Joe, you've heard it a thousand times. Maybe you know, but it's important. 
Obama hated Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn was his, President Obama's, DIA director, Defense Intelligence Agency. Mike Flynn was one of the highest ranking intelligence officials in the country under the Obama administration. Why did Obama hate Flynn? Because Flynn, what am I doing? Flynn sniffed something with the Iran deal. She's like, Paul is looking at me like, something wrong? Is he okay? I'm fine. It was a joke. Flynn was like, he wasn't really sniffing anything, but he smelled something wrong with the Iran deal, Joe. Flynn was like, this Iran deal is not a good idea. You know, I hear them chanting death to America, the whole nuclear thing. Why exactly are we giving their pallets of cash? Flynn was all over the Iran deal. He understood the disaster would be. Therefore, Obama hated him and they had to take Flynn out. So what happened? Back in August of 2016, we find out that the FBI opens up cases on these Trump campaign members, Manafort, Carter Page, and George Papadopoulos, but they don't open up a case on Mike Flynn. Somebody got really upset at the FBI, and this FBI spy, CHS, you'll see in this FBI note, confidential human source, all of a sudden shows up the day after they don't open up a, open up a case in August of 2016 on Flynn and starts giving up all this information about Mike Flynn. That CHS is believed by many, confidential human source, otherwise known as a spy, is believed by many to be Stefan Halper. Now, you know what's weird? He talks about this dinner Mike Flynn was at back in, I believe, 2015. And he says, Mike Flynn was at this dinner with this Russian woman, Svetlana Lakova, who I know personally have spoken to her many times about this exact same event. And it says the CHS, otherwise the spy, stated that a woman, Svetlana Lakova, surprised everyone and got into CR. CR's Mike Flynn. That's Crossfire Razor. That was his codename in the FBI. Got into CR's cab and joined CR on the train ride to London. The CHS, in other words, the spy, recalled that Lakova latched onto Flynn when he was at the redacted. Interesting. Interesting why. Because, ladies and gentlemen, none of that ever happened. There were multiple witnesses that Mike Flynn left the event in 2015 separately from Svetlana Lakova, who got in a car with her boyfriend, who has already attested to that. So as another DIA official who was at the actual dinner and said the story is entirely fake. Do you understand? By the way, a lot of these details are in my last book, Follow the Money. But now it's out and official. We were right again. Unfortunately, I wish we'd be wrong. Because it would mean we weren't living in, under tyranny right now and a weaponized FBI and uh, intelligence community. What does that mean? What do they call that? Joe, what do they call that? When you didn't do anything wrong and then someone comes in and sets you up. We call hmm. that, I believe that's called being framed. I'm, yes. A fair, fair assessment? We don't need yep. dictionary.com. Fair assessment. So let, just to be clear, a decorated lieutenant general, a patriot, and the head of our DIA under Barack Obama was framed because Barack Obama had some political beefs with him. Sounds like what happened. Don't worry, folks. We should all move on, right? I get these emails sometimes from liberals. Move on. Nothing's going to happen. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not moving on. I'm not interested in moving on. I'm interested in the truth. And you should be too. The truth matters. If there's no penalty for it, I can't, I'm not a DOJ, I can't go lock people up. I'm not an assistant United States attorney, but damn it, I'm going to expose these people over and over and over again till it's drilled into their heads that no, I'm not going to let any of this go away. Sorry, too bad, so sad. Mike Flynn was framed. 
It's now clear as day. And the story should be everywhere. It's only the biggest scandal in American history. All right, moving on. This is our economics for liberals section. You know, you got to go slow with them. So get ready, folks. I am, um, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I wake up every morning. Economics is my passion. I try it. Paula loves the economics part of the show. I try not to do too much of it on the show because I don't want to beat you over the head with it. Because if it was up to me, I would do it, not figuratively, but literally every day. But I've got a few pieces here of information you need to know, because as the government is getting ready under Joe Biden and the Democrat-controlled House and Senate, effectively, they get ready to pass another monstrous spending measure. The ignorance of economics out there in the public is so profound by liberals. They just believe things that aren't true. So we're going to go through a few pieces of information one by one. First, we're going to talk about the Trump tax cuts, a thing lied about so often by the liberals that they've actually convinced themselves their lies are true. So the great Andy Puzder, who uh, I adore, he does some really great work at the Wall Street Journal uh, and his his, uh, social media accounts are really terrific. He's responding to this uh, liberal, I guess, who says, you know, talking about the Trump tax cuts, giving massive tax cuts to corporations, Joe and the wealthy did exactly as expected, made them richer at the expense of the American economy. Republicans platform is to steal from the middle class to enrich themselves. So, you know, this is a liberal. They don't know anything. Do you understand? I need you to get this through your heads to all my listeners, my friends, everyone, my family who listens to this show. Liberals don't know anything. They don't. Their whole world is fake. I don't want to call them all stupid, but many of them just are. Because you're either dumb because you don't know anything, or you're dumb because you could know something and you refuse to look into it, or you're dumb because you've heard the truth and you still tell yourselves lies. So the big lie about the Trump taxes is, Oh my gosh, it screwed over the middle class and who benefited the rich? So Puzzler's like, ah, dude, not so much. Here are just the number, you know, numbers, facts, liberals, you know, try just for once, please, to digest a fact and a data point. Puzzler responds, in 2018, the first year under the Trump tax cuts, the top 1% of taxpayers paid $16 billion more in income taxes. Joey, got that? You tracking? Top 1%, Joe, those evil wealthy people paid $16 billion more the first year under the Trump tax cut. So, uh, you know, liberals, I know this is hard. We'll go slow. The bottom 99% paid $80 billion less. (laughs) Puzzler says comically, this is the worst tax cut for the rich in history. By the way, income inequality declined two years in a row, 2018 to 2019 before the plague. It doesn't matter. I know this isn't going to make a difference to the liberals, especially liberal college kid in the dorm room. You're listening because the roommate has it up really that there's like a full blown fight in that dorm room right now. Looks like that. OU kid. And the other guy who got in a fight in a bed. Have you seen that video, by the way, fellas, listen, don't ever get into a fight in a bathroom. Not good. You know, Guys miss, if you know what I mean. The floor is not the place to be grappling in a bathroom in a crowded bar. I'm just throwing that out there. If you've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. But liberal college kid in the dorm room, even though I just gave you the facts that the top 1% of earners paid more in taxes while the bottom 99% paid less, I know that doesn't matter to you because you'll just lie to yourself anyway. The top 1%, they got over on me. They paid more. You guys, you guys paid, you guys paid less. How how did they get over on you again? Can you, can you please explain that to me? I mean, rationally and 
You put a moment, you know, take, step outside the insanity box for a moment. So in our economics for liberals segment here today, just gave you some hard data on the Trump tax cuts, because that's going to come up again as Joe Biden uh, tries to institute a tax hike. Second, here's a video from uh, Katie Porter, a just uh, dreadfully ignorant House of Representatives member on the Democrat side. Thinks she's smart. She gets talking points from her staff. Uh, really knows very little about anything. Um, here's Katie Porter. Here's a video of her on MSNBC. Uh, Katie Porter, uh, the, the staff wasn't here to rescue her on this segment, apparently needs a math lesson as she tries, Joe, to make the point that if you dare fight against a $15 an hour minimum wage, you want people to starve to death and you are pulling food right out of their mouths. You went, because she hasn't had a math lesson. Yeah, I know. What, what horrible people we are. Check this out. Here's the dreadfully ignorant Katie Porter making a fool of herself again on MSNBC, showing how she desperately needs a math lesson. Check it out. It translates very directly. And we have research showing this, that when you raise the wage, when you give a low-income family more money, the first thing that they do is they buy more nutritious food and they buy food. They stop going hungry at the end of the month or between paychecks. So this is going to directly translate into improved living conditions, the ability to pay rent, to keep a roof over your head, to reduce homelessness, to be able to put food on the table. That's what low-income families, minimum wage workers do when they get a hike in the raise. And when we hear people opposing the minimum wage, I think we have to call them out. They're literally opposing people being able to feed themselves after a hard day's work. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Joe, notice the misuse again, which you know is my pet peeve of the word literally. If you oppose this, <laughs> you literally want people to starve and die to die right there on the spot. No eating ever. No eating for you. Like the soup cat from the Seinfeld. No, no food for you. No food for you. Paul, did you, you Paul used to eat at that place. You know the soup guy? Did you was ever? Yeah. No, you're ruining my thing. She ate there. She ate, she's just lying. Thank you. She ate. I, I thought she did. Seriously. She worked downtown. That guy was in Midtown. Shame on me. But she definitely ate there. So Katie Porter says, Joe, there is research. Armacost, there's research on this. Oh. There's research indicating. Yeah, you didn't know this? Come on, no. what an idiot. You didn't know that if you oppose the $15 an hour minimum wage, one, you definitely want people to die of starvation to, literally today. But there's research that it increases their quality of life. They get more nutritious food. They can put roofs over their heads. There, There is, there's mm. research about that. I must have missed that because I just went and put in a search engine. Very simple, Joe. Katie Porter is a member of Congress, correct? So I went to the mm. Congressional Budget Office. Con- is that right? Gee, is that right? You messing with it? Congressional, that is the Congressional Budget, correct? Okay. Um, for those of you who think I'm messing with you, I will actually, because the liberal, especially liberal college kid in the dorm room, I will put the link to the Congressional Budget website report on my show notes today for the liberal college kid to read in case you think I'm making this up. So Katie Porter, grotesquely ignorant um, congresswoman, says there's definitely research about how much minimum wage improves the lot of people, prevents them from starving. Those Republicans Mm. want to rip food from their mouths. So I looked it up, and that's actually not what the research says from the Congressional Budget Office. She's a member of member of Congress. It's not the Dan Bongino budget office. This is from February 8th, 2021. I'm not really good about dates, but what's today's date? 26th. So, okay, not that, not, not, not that long ago. The budgetary effects of the Raise the Wage Act of 2021. 
says if the Raise the Wage Act of 2021 was enacted in March of 2021, the cumulative budget deficit over the 2021-2031 period would increase by $54 billion. Okay, so you got that. What else do we got there? We got another little screen cap from this piece. Hmm. Let's see all this research they have here. Employment would be reduced. This can't be. Reduced. Hmm. Am I reading? Joe, you're on this. You're, you're, I know your eyes yeah. are not as sharp as they were when you were a, you know, a young like archer. Um, yeah. you know, from the Hunger Games and all. But that does say employment would be reduced, correct? By yes. 1.4 million workers. I, it is, but they, oh. it can't be because she told us research said that not only would employment go up, but people would be much better. So employment would be reduced by 1.4 million workers or 0.9%, according to CBO's average estimate. But the number of, uh, don't worry though, the number of people in poverty would be reduced by 0.9 million. So this is really crazy because again, simple math here, 1.4 million people have no job. Employment would be reduced while 900,000 people get a little bit of a raise. Katie, Katie's a math genius, right? Like, am I, what am I getting wrong? Am I, is there something I'm screwing up here? So you're talking about 500,000 more people who have no job. What are you laughing at? And uh, you don't, you can't let her see the villain of the day. This is the greatest tease ever happening in live time. <laughs> I have this story that is so funny. My only regret is I've seen it so many times that it's losing its funniness. Paula just saw it for the first time. I'm not, she is dying laughing at it, but that's how funny the villain of the day is. Not a joke. All right, back to this because it's serious. 500,000 more people, according to Katie Porter's own CBO, will lose their job than will benefit at all from the minimum wage. But she's telling us if you support, Joe, if you yeah. dare, fight this. Wow, now you're all loud. Woo boy. Man, eardrum buster right there. Now all of a sudden I can hear armor cuss. If oh. you dare fight this, these 500,000, now you're perfect. 500,000 people who are going to be fired, you are <laughs> literally pulling food from the mouths of people. You want them to starve to death right there. Star. You still, that's uh, funny story is funny, right? Did you, you didn't see the story either, Joe. You, do you see no. that on the screen? He doesn't see that, right? Okay. No. All right. All right. Let me get to my last sponsor. I want to get back just quickly. A Forbes article. It's great. I may have to skip the Bongino.com. Yeah. Cause Guy, let's do this. All right. Let's do Forbes quick. Skip the Bongino.com. I'll have that in the show notes. Let's do red state. What happened to the flu is coming up. Craziest story ever. Not a joke. Like where'd the flu go? The flu is like disappeared. Crazy story about that. And then I got the villain of the day. You're going to love. It's really, <laughs> yeah. This better be good. This better be the funniest story ever, the way I just teased it. <laughs> yeah. Stamps.com. Listen, let's face it. Taking trips to the post office is probably not how you want to spend your time. That's why I recommend mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. We, we'd be lost without Stamps.com. Why are you going to the post office? Send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with discounted rates from the U.S. Postal Service and UPS and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. With stamps.com, excuse me, stamps.com, you get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place. Plus big, big discounts on mailing and shipping rates. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out orders, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, stamps.com handles it all with ease. Here's how it works. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. 
Once your mail's ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's really that simple. With stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off USPS or UPS shipping rates. Why? What's it's a no-brainer. It saves you time and money. What are you waiting for? It's no wonder nearly 1 million small businesses already use stamps.com. Stop wasting time going to the post office. Go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code Dan, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Dan, D-A-N. That's stamps.com. Use promo code Dan. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Thank you, stamps.com. All right. On our Economics for Liberals segment, returning for that because they really need facts and data and stuff. You know, these people who think we can just run up government debt forever. And to be fair, that's a lot of uh, spendthrift Republicans, too. I called out the debt in the Trump presidency, too. So no one's going to claim I'm a hypocrite on this. We are running up debt levels never seen, I mean, literally never seen in human history. Forbes has a really fascinating article I've been trying to get to all week. It is up in the show notes today, and I encourage you to read it. Go to Bongito.com slash newsletter, please, to see it. It's about five consequences of the massive government debt we are running up, unprecedented in human history. Literally, the article's called Five Consequences of U.S. Debt at Near 50 Trillion. This was from 2020, October. We haven't even spent the $1.9 trillion. We haven't even passed it yet. John Malden, senior contributor. Here's just a couple. You may be saying to yourself, ah, don't worry. I'm a liberal. I'm the liberal college kid in the dorm room. We can just tax our way out of this. Really? Because here's a quote from the Forbes piece. Even if we double taxes on the top 25%, you know, those evil rich people you keep talking about, it would only bring in another $1.3 trillion, And that's assuming people don't change their behavior. A 75% marginal rate plus 4% Medicare for a 79% top tax rate certainly will change behavior. A less shocking 20 to 25% increase would only bring in about 3 billion to 400 billion. I would have to raise rates on incomes over 83,000. So think about this. If those evil rich people you keep talking about in the top 25%, we're not just talking about the 1%, we're talking about raising taxes on the top 25% because the 1%, you'd only get a fraction of this. Even if people did nothing, like avoided paying the taxes, which they do when they move out of the country or do municipal bonds or tax shelters or whatever it may be, even if they did that, Joe, they would raise $1.3 trillion. The deficit next year alone, alone next year, is going to be probably over $2 trillion. You don't even meet, forget about the budget, you don't even meet the deficit for next year. And that's one year, and then the money's gone. So there's nothing to get the year after that when you try to spend even more. So there's no possible, and that's assuming they don't change their behavior, which is literally, Katie Porter, never happened. You tax people a lot, they engage in the American pastime. What is it, Joe? It's uh, tax avoidance. Tax avoidance, Tax tax evasion is a crime. Tax avoidance is an American pastime. Just ask Al Sharpton and John Kerry. Here's another tidbit from the Forbes article for all you big spendthrift liberals going, ah, there's no consequence. It's denominated in U.S. government assets. We can print all we want and spend it. Really? Quote, debt's future income brought forward. There is a point at which the debt becomes a drag on U.S. economic growth, and we've probably reached it. GDP growth in the U.S. is going to increasingly look like Japan and or Europe, i.e. almost nil. So the CBO's continued 2% average growth forecast will simply get thrown out the window and the deficits will, will get worse. I, I, I've done my homework here, folks. I can't warn you anymore. I'm sorry. Not to the conservatives. I don't mean to sound like a jerk. 
to the liberals listening and to the moderate Democrats listening who are convinced you can spend your money into an abyss. I've warned you for years. I have warned you we are spending ourselves into the most predictable financial crisis in American history. And you just continue to move and just oh, whistling past the graveyard. I am a terrible whistler. I've never figured out how to do that. Joe is a great one. Joe can whistle anything. <laughs> whistling past the graveyard. Plays the harmonica too. He's very talented. It's going to happen. It is a mathematical certainty we as a country will go bankrupt. Now we want, we can print our way out of it. I'm talking about a de facto bankruptcy, not a de jure one. De facto bankruptcy, bankruptcy, meaning you have all the money in the world. It just doesn't buy you anything. You know, I thought of an analogy. I'm sorry, I want to get this red state story. What happened to the flu? It's important, but just quickly. Here's what I mean by that. I was thinking about this. I'm sitting there, shaving after the show, thinking about stuff. There's always some stuff moving around to mush in my melon, right? Imagine a world where like the zombie apocalypse is broken out. <laughs> I'm serious for a moment. There's a, I promise you this has, this has a point. And there's you and five, 6,000 people left and that's it. Everyone else has been eaten by the zombies or whatever. So you scavenge, you go in their house, you find open safes. There's 20, 30,000 in cash, 50,000 in cash. You get it all. Joe, you got millions, 30, 40 million in cash. Why not, right? You got the paper. People left it out. They're all dead. They don't need it. You're not really stealing from them. Right. It's great, right, Joe? You're in great shape. You got, you got, you got your 20 million, right? Fantastic, right? Uh, what's the problem? You're rich, right? You're rich. You're nominally rich. You're not bankrupt. You have actual money. The problem is it's not actually an exchange of value because it's not actually worth anything anymore. You ever think of that? Actually, it is worth something, Joe. It's really good in your fireplace to keep that fire going as a little bit of Kindle. That's what we're doing to our money. You may have a whole bunch of it, but it's not going to buy you anything. All right. So on to our flu story. What the heck happened to the flu? Great story in Red State. Again, the show notes are, there's a ringer show notes today. You got to check them out. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Sorry to beat you over the head with that today, but it's important. The stories are really good. This is one of the great medical mysteries of our time right now. Red state, not a, this is not like a this is not meant to be in any, in any way humorous. It's not. Everybody seriously wants to know what the hell happened to the flu. Michael Tao. About that mysterious decline, uh, decline, excuse me, in flu cases. Look at these numbers on the flu. That is uh, I mean they're they're almost hard to believe. Check this out. So in 2019, about 40,000 flu tests were reported by week six. This is 2019 with roughly 26% positive. For 2016 through 2020, an average of around 44,000 flu tests had been reported by week six of flu season, roughly 25% of which were positive. Yet by the six-week show of 2021, CDC figures show that only 17, not 70%, only 17 of the over 40,800 reported flu tests reported to the CDC were positive, which comes to a minuscule 0.04%. What the hell? Like, seriously, what happened to the flu? It says, if these numbers are to be believed, flu cases have declined by a factor of over 600 this year compared to the previous five-year average. Pretty cool P. Even Gee's like, huh? That's pretty, did you not read that? He gets the cheat before pretty cool stuff. Right? What happened? This is good. No, the, not no flu, but where'd the flu go? The piece goes into a few different theories. 
One of them you're probably thinking right now is like, oh, well, you know, especially if, you know, you're someone who believes in a lot of the Fauciisms. A lot of you are probably saying, well, people are wearing masks, they're social distancing. It's actually, well, it may have something to do with it. I'm, I'm certainly not a medical doctor. It may, maybe it does. But they dispute that in the piece because it's interesting, Joe. These flu cases are down regardless of places that locked down versus that didn't, places where masks were mandatory, places where they weren't. The flu is still almost nowhere to be found, no matter what happened with masks and social distancing and lockdowns or not. So it's probably unlikely that's the whole reason. So what could it be? Here's what I think is the most plausible one from the piece. There's this researcher done. He notes that given the massive influx of COVID tests to labs that they're doing this year, there's a likelihood that those COVID tests in labs are being prioritized. And the fact that it will take at least several days before someone can see a doctor and then go get tested for the flu it's entirely possible that the alleged vanishing flu is, re- is not real, that it's nothing more than an artifact of the small window to test someone who has the flu and gets a positive result. Let me translate for you quickly because I read the whole piece. I'll give you the Cliff's Notes cheat sheet here. Unlike COVID, your window while you're infected with the flu to test positive is very, very small. COVID, you, you probably have a few days. It's very small with the flu. So what they're saying is with everybody rushing in for COVID tests, bottling up the labs and the doctor's appointments, let's say, Joe, you have flu symptoms. You call the doc. He's like, hey, brother, I can't get you in until next week. By the time you get in and get the flu test, the test is already in. It's not going to work. You're already right. going to test negative. That, that I read all the explanations in the piece. They're all good. All have merit, I think. But I think that's the most viable one that, the flu probably didn't vanish. There's another theory in there about competing viruses like a UFC match or something. I don't know. That one sounds kind of far-fetched. But check it out. I think that one with the lab test sounds like the most viable. That's why I put it in there. <laughs> I'm not laughing about this story. I, I, I can't. Paula, this is the thing Paula was laughing about. We, you know, we usually do a hero of the day, but this is the anti-hero villain of the day. Um, so I'm in the doctor's office. I had to get some blood taken. You know, I'm always, I'm always, I'm in a doctor's office like twice a week now. I swear, like I know every single uh, person in the doctor's office by first aid, the administrative staff, the nurses, whatever. I'm reading this story. I am cracking up. The guy next to me, he recognizes me from Fox, even with the mask on. He's looking at me like, dude, are you, you like, what are you like? What, what is going on? Like, are you okay? Do you need medication or something? I am dying, like knee slapping laughter. Why? I see this story advice. <laughs> what this, this is what, so <laughs> I have this up in the show notes too in case you want to show your liberal friends to laugh a little bit so apparently some US diplomats who work in China were returning to China and upon returning headline China gave US diplomats anal COVID <laughs> In in error, American officials say you. (laughs) This is not a joke. (laughs) Listen to the Hazab headline by Viola Zhao. 
I love you, Viola. I don't know you. Vice, I think, is a left wing. But Viola's out. You've done America a favor. This is the story we all needed today. The U.S. State Department is to object to this show. <laughs> gee, you think? Says, <laughs> says, says, that wasn't a, gee, who made that call? What a real hero. Uh, the U.S. State Department says it's committed to preserving the, quote, dignity of American diplomats. Can you? Can you imagine? You're walking him. I have traveled under a dip passport, a diplomatic passport before, and you're supposed to be given diplomatic privileges. When you come in through customs in foreign countries, a lot of them have a dip line. Diplomats here. I'm not kidding. And you get to skip the line for the general population. Gen pop. You do. You get this. Imagine being in that dip line and thinking like, I really scored. I skipped this line going back into China. And they're <laughs> like, sir, drop them. Drop them here. We're gonna do the uh, we're gonna do the swab. Why am I dropping? No, it's the anal swab instead. And the dude, I'm not doing the anal swab. The villain of the day is definitely the dude at the Chinese border crossing in the airport who thought it was a good idea to do the anal swab rather than maybe just asking people. You know, when I was going into the hospital in Houston for treatment every day. You go in, they give you this little green band and they ask you a few questions. So have you been around anyone with COVID? Are you feeling any symptoms? Whatever. You're running the temperature. What maybe? I, I think that's okay. I think that's okay for China too. I'm pretty sure we don't need the anal swab for the diplomats. Let's yes, let's preserve our national dignity. And thank you to the hero who took a stand on that one and said, no more anal swabs upon entry back into China for our diplomats. And if you are that Chinese individual, the anal swabber, you are our villain of the day on Friday. Let me end on a good note. Thank you to everyone. Um, this was a press release. My partners at Westwood One put out. Paul is still laughing about this story. <laughs> I'm moving on. Uh, we just hit, and congratulations to my whole crew. Uh, Drew, Paula, Guy, Joe, who's been with me from the beginning. I mean, literally from the first show in 2015. Radio Online, the Dan Bongino Show hits its 100th affiliate milestone. Proud of that. I, uh, we are now on 100 radio stations across the country. We're in San Francisco, right. Los Angeles, Houston. Yeah, man. I mean, I know it's a big deal to Joe. Too. Joe grew up in radio. Yeah. He'd been on the radio a long time. And we're now becoming a really big force in terrestrial radio. And um, I really appreciate it. I gave a simple quote. I meant it. I wrote it myself. It's not something like a PR firm wrote up. But I wrote, you know, growing up a fan of conservative talk radio makes the moment extra special for me. To be able to reach people across the country with a strong pro-liberty, pro-freedom message. Uh, you just took that down. You absolutely killed my momentum, Paula. Killed it. I was motoring right there. Is the honor of a lifetime, said Bongino, before Paula cut him off. But I still love her. I'll at least get my last line in there. She literally cut me off. She decided she was going to like change the thing for some reason. I said, also, special thanks as well to the affiliates partnering up with us in this venture. It means a lot to me. I did grow up on conservative talk radio, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, the great one. Uh, so being in a hundred stations across the country, thanks to you, uh, means a lot. I, you know, you're not supposed to say, um, and on the radio, but I get uncomfortable self-praise things, but this is all your success. I can only listen to the show once you all have made it the success of this. So thank you very much. It's been a great week. I really appreciate your patience with, you know, the slow dreaded news cycles lately, but I promise you, we will always find interesting things to talk about, to make you more informed after the show than you were before you tuned in. I will see you all at CPAC a little later, and I will see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino. 
Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen.